Hey guys, before today's episode of the podcast, I want you to text me 212-931-5731. If you don't, you're missing out. I'm putting all my eggs in the fucking text basket. 212-931-5731. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey guys, really excited about today's podcast. Um, I have a special guest. I don't do this often. I actually have somebody who I'm financially involved with uh, and I mean, this is the biggest co-side I can make. One, I'm, I don't, I don't know if you, I've invested in like two things in the last two years because I think we're littered with fake entrepreneurship. Um, and, uh, and two, um, I also think it's a story that will inspire a lot of people that are listening on the other end. So at first when it was like, hey, can I be in your podcast? Or if my team said it, we should have them on the podcast. I was like, eh. And then I was like, that I'm being selfish around my own ideology of not putting people that I do business with on the show um, because I think, my man, what you're doing and how you're going about it speaks to real entrepreneurship. So why don't you tell uh, the Vayner Nation who you are and what you do, and then I'll, I'll rocket you with some questions. All right, cool, I love it. Yeah, I'm Brandon Cohen, founder and CEO of Liquid IV. Um, it's an all-natural electrolyte powder drink mix that you mix into 16 ounces of water. It helps you hydrate really efficiently. Um, it's like a tr- it's an alternative to traditional sports drinks. Um, a lot of people, you know, started to figure out that drinking water, enough water to properly hydrate is really hard. Um, and so our product just helps more water absorb in your bloodstream faster. Um, the way it came about, I wasn't like a scientist or anything like that. Yeah, you definitely don't look like a scientist. No. <laughs> Thank you. More like a male model. No, get out of here. Come on, get out of here. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I was, you know, I thought I was gonna be a pro golfer my whole life. I, I went to college, not for school, but for golf. Um, my senior year, I realized it wasn't. Are you still great at golf? I'm still pretty good at golf. Yeah, yeah. I, I now I have fun doing it. Whereas for a while, I is yeah. Nate here? You know Nate, my partner in empathy, yeah. who was my admin ten years ago, also was like a scary golfer. Really? Arizona State, like really like trying to go there, and then like hated it for a while. It sounds like you went through Very the same similar. thing, it, it, and then just came back like two or three years ago. Almost identical, right? Is that like, right? Once it became like fun again and it wasn't like it wasn't this thing where like I had to go try and make a living doing it yes it now it's like my release from all of this right it's like my one getaway to balance me out and now that you're in the business world do you sometimes you like do people ask you to like golf it is the best thing of all time do you ever do you ever sandbag people and be like yeah I kind yeah, of let me know if you want me to come out yeah do you ever do that oh yeah. totally <laughs> I would so it's, do that if I was gonna golf like you know old old men investors are yes. like, you want, are you sure you can golf I'm like yeah just bring me out I'll do it and then all of a sudden through three holes they're like holy shit this guy's good that's awesome yeah Really anyway, fun. so how did it become, how did this happen? Had a couple injuries my senior year. I like begged my way into the entre- entrepreneurship program. I just, I was, I didn't really senior know. Senior of college. What, senior year of college. Yep. Didn't really know what it meant to be an entrepreneur, but I, I'd always sort of gravitated towards a leadership role looking And back. what year is this? This is, I was uh, 2010. Okay. So entrepreneurship is just starting to get on the radar. You're starting to hear about some of these founders doing real things. For me, it was different. I was not like the guy who was like, I'm going to be this entrepreneur. I just heard about this one class that really intrigued me. It was this product design class. You got to work with tw- uh, 10 You know what's art- funny about that, Brandon? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like, that makes sense to me. Like, in, oh, in 10, it wasn't like it is now. No. It, it, was, it was starting to happen. It wasn't cool re- yet. Not yet. Even the people that were making a ton of money, like Zucks and with all these on paper, yeah. they weren't considered cool. Not yet. They were nerds, but oh shit, they have a lot of money Getting coming close. their way. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. So uh, sort of went to the dean of the business school. He's like, you have none of the prereqs to get in this program. I was like, please let me in, please let me in. He's like, you didn't just send me a bunch of emails. You came to my house, I'll let you in, just please don't let me down. 2010 was the Haiti earthquake that hit. Yep. I was able to gather this group of 10 students. We got over 20,000 meals sent to the people of Haiti. 
there was a business aspect involved. We got a bunch of press, we got all over the news. And it was the first time where I was like, my soul was lit on fire. I was like passionate about something besides sports. It was business. It was making money. It was bringing people together. But most of all, it was about helping other people. And so I was like, wow, this is something I could really see myself doing. Long story short, and they still tell this story, like I won entrepreneur of the year my senior year and I wasn't even in the program. So it kind of fits how a real entrepreneur thinks, like you you're think? not trying to be an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> so that was my first taste of it. And then um, I went Any to- Any school entrepreneur of the year winner tends to not have as great of a career in the big leagues. I know. I, I mean, wasn't- just, It's just not built for it. I wasn't, that, well, I wasn't trying to be one. I was just trying, I just loved, I finally, I got involved and I loved doing it, you know? So I went to work in professional baseball, um, all of the players, I became friends with a bunch of players. I was in sales and marketing, just like first job out of school, like got to learn how to sell. I, it, it was a great first opportunity. And uh, all the players were drinking uh, Pedialyte, the baby hydration drink. And I thought it was silly that the best athletes in the world were drinking something that was designed not for them. And I started really getting involved in this, like interested in the science. I talked to the nutritionists and the trainers and it's a science called oral rehydration therapy where when you mix sodium, glucose, and potassium at a really specific ratio, clinically proven to help water absorb in your bloodstream faster. And my business mind was like, why are adults drinking something that's designed not for them? And it had a bunch of crap in it, artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, all that stuff. I won't bore you with all that. But then I found all my young professional friends also going to like the children's aisle of a grocery store to buy this for hangovers or active lifestyle hydration. And I was like, what if you could take this science, make a healthier version, this is the original idea, and then make a cool adult lifestyle brand around it. And so, um, we got into, I got a little money from LMU, like I got 1500 bucks. Um, I got into one Whole Foods in Venice, California. I would sample and demo the product every weekend by myself, went to market like with and like minimum viable product. We like, it, it was not, it didn't taste good. But what we started to learn was people were looking for an alternative to these, you know, to either drinking a ton of water or sports drinks. And after three months, we became the top selling item in that whole body department. Um, they gave us one more, I sampled and demoed again. So this is my, what I would call my test. And I was like, wow, there's an opportunity if we can find more points of distribution. And this is totally not direct to consumer or Amazon or anything at this point. And that's when I was actually introduced to a guy that we both know, Scott Emerson. Yep. And Scott said, you know, Scott's this, you know, like, uh, he's like the, like the Mecca of DT or of uh, retail, right? Distribution. But mm -hmm. he has no idea what we're doing. He's like, well, he goes, I love your energy and you have this sexy product and your POS date is insane. Why don't you come on? I'll give you a little bit of money. Point of sale for everybody listening at home. Sorry. Yeah. No great, problem. Great data end stores. Yep. <laughs> um, it's selling in the two stores that it's in. It's in selling, but he loved, he loved yeah. that. And it was hot in SoCal, which is kind of like the, yeah, you know, the mecca of health and wellness. Yep. Yeah. And so he said, figure out how much money you need to launch nationally in 2016 in retail. I'll lead the round and we can go get money. And so he sent me to this show in Vegas called ECRM. You meet with all the top 50 retailers, 20 minute meetings for five days straight. Scott said, if you can get three or four of these 50 retailers to give you a shot, like that would be a huge win. Like your product's expensive. They're not going to understand the category. Um, like just it, like have some thick skin. And I'm like naive and I get excited like I do now. I start talking fast. I'm excited about our brand. I believe in our give back mission. I believe in our science. And out of those 50 meetings, we didn't get one no. And out of 270 brands, they're some of the bigger, biggest brands you know, we won best new product of 2016. And it set us into how much a whole- do you, How much do you think that is sheer will, the energy of a founder, because I see it all the time, versus actual product fit, moment in time, it was the right product at the right time. What would you break down 100 points? It's probably a really, really good balance. I mean, 
that it's a, the reason I can tell you that it was at the time I thought it was more will it, it was more will at the time, but now seeing what's happening in the market and how we're this leader and we're, you know, we'll do upwards of a hundred million this year, right? Like to go from, so there was a market there that had to get built, but at the time, no one really saw it except through my energy probably. <laughs> and we had a little bit of data and, and we had Scott behind us, right? So we worked through that. We won best new product of 2016 and we went from, you know, like about a hundred stores in SoCal self-distributed, me putting it on the shelves and having my friends go buy it out of the store to make sure it stayed on the <laughs> shelf, like literally to then 10,000 doors by the end of 2016, 20,000 by the end of 2017, and now we'll be in over 30,000 doors across the country. So that was how we got some momentum. I'll, I'll, I'll get to the point quick, but um, we then wanted to focus let, on- let, yeah. In your story, because I wanna bring value to the audience, yeah. you know, for the people, so when you did this, direct to consumer, consumer goods, people were thinking about apps and iPhones. It wasn't the rage, but it very much is now. I mean, so many young entrepreneurs wanna make their own peanut butter made out of like, you know, pig skin and like <laughs> shampoo made out of like rocks in the Amazon and like, yeah. you know, just like people are going long tail, you know, mango slices and raspberry face cream and like it's just going ham between yeah. Shopify and Amazon, direct right. to consumer, Instagram, what, what is like right now, what is like one or two things that stand out as a variable that these kids should be thinking about? And not only kids, I'm seeing a lot of people that work at Procter and Gamble and Pepsi and, and you know, and these biggest companies at their 40 and 50 and 60 year old, you know, part of their career, bailing with real money and starting real brands because they understand consumer too. They don't understand the direct to consumer world. Right. They definitely understand the distribution world. Right. They may not have the humility and the hustle as an executive to like, sample every weekend in perpetuity, yeah. um, but they have relationships. Yeah. So not only kids, what should people that are starting brands know about the current landscape? For me, and real quick, and I apologize, yeah. for everybody who's listening, Brandon, you took a different route. You did actually get real, nor you, you did some, now Emerson is no question the leader in helping yeah. smaller brands do that, but I've spoken at Emerson events in the past, like a lot of those brands don't go on to having and, huge success. And by the way, and I've seen you where they wouldn't let you in because of something you were wearing was, there. Do you know what's crazy about that? That was, I think that's episode one of Daily V. Yeah. I'm going to give the keynote and they wouldn't let me into the place because I wasn't wearing shoes or Can you imagine tie. me as a 25 year old walking yeah. into an Emerson meeting and yeah. these people like skipping my table? Yeah, of course. Like we don't want to talk to a sales rep. I'm like, of no, course. this is my company. This yeah, is my I get company. It. We were probably in the, the bottom 10% of their thousand brands and now we're their third biggest brand in their portfolio, which I is pretty it. crazy. What's for the me, hot tips? For me, it was like, I knew what I was good at. Like, you, I think you just met with Jake Casson, right? He's just texted me. He's a DTC, he's a digital guy. I'm a people person. And so mine was relationships. I met with Scott, I was one-on-one -on -one with people. And so I went deep on what I was really good at, which was people and then taking this one. I was meeting with the retailer who's the head buyer at CVS, who's 25 years old like me. I'm telling him about our one for one give back mission. And they go, oh, I totally get it, let's put it in. That was where I was totally comfortable, right? So what I did was I, I went all in on that for three years, got the credibility of all these retailer logos and, and then that, brought, that allowed me to raise money. And then I started to find like specialists who are really good at Amazon and direct to consumer. So now we work with you yep. guys direct to consumer. Amazon has been a beast for us, but that's when we first raised money, then I went into the areas where I wasn't as, you know, aces and spaces. My aces were people, spaces were a little bit more DTC and so, I actually went reverse of everyone that I know, right? Everyone I know went Facebook acquisition. And I was like, listen, this is what we got. Scott put a bet on us. I'm gonna go win in 20,000 stores. And then we backed into this. And now, ironically or not, 
you know, Amazon and direct consumer are, are just huge channels for us. But I think we had the credibility of being in stores, which a lot of the brands that we compete against don't have that cred because they didn't, they didn't go that route. And it just becomes execution. Right. What's, what's been the hardest part of this journey? Real life. I'm not talking about like, oh, we had, we had a shipment to Costco, like fall off a truck. I mean, lost relationships, um, getting ahead of yourself, like, you know, waking up one morning and just saying, fuck, I'm getting a little high on my own supply. Anything interesting like that? Yeah, I think for me, when you go from um, you're by yourself and you, you're the executor and you have to get it done by all means, and when you grow a team, and I'm sure you've gone through this through everything, now we have a team of 30. You, the skill set that you need to execute and put your head down and make sure things get done and will yourself through turns into a whole nother dynamic when you're leading a team and you need to put a clear vision out and you need to motivate and inspire them to go operate that. And now I'm not touching down there. And so for me, the transition, thank God, I, I, you know, I had two co-founders to start. This is probably the second part of the question. They, when you start a company with friends, you don't know what you're all really good at, or even when you're 24, what you're going to grow into just by, by, I didn't know I was going to be a leader. Right. But it just, it's where I gravitated towards. And so I worked through that, but uh, the two things are figuring out how to do it and then turn into like a leader and a, and a, you know, to build this vision and allow people delegate and let things go is really hard for me naturally, which I think a lot of founders struggle with probably. Um, and then having founders where we're really good friends, but for the good of the business, we just knew it wasn't the right situation and just having those upfront conversations. Um, how long did you really, sit with conversations in your head? Cause those are so tough. So tough. Um, or did, or did you get lucky and, you didn't have to be the one that brought it to no, the table. I had to. You had on, to. on both fronts? I, I levered, one of them was early on and it was Easy. for external purposes and he, he needed it to get out. Um, the other one was, was a really tricky. good friend, Tricky. He, you know, he was involved in a lot of what was going on and I was able to, with our board of directors and new money coming in, have conversations and say, listen, like, let, let's have a like really direct conversation. Like, what's best for you and for me and for the company and when you can get pat when, once you dig deep enough you, you start to get to like the real of like meat of like insecurities and, how did that and real go? and we're good we're, we're, we're still friends we're Amazing. all good it's all you know there's always this dynamic where no matter how good it goes the bigger the company grows first of all if we would have failed and he he, he got made his money it, it would have been great he would have won transaction he would have won yeah. and we would have all been like yeah. he got the best of it yeah now he got he was good and then as this thing continued to grow like there's always this interesting like you know he could have a bigger piece of this but we're in a good spot i i, I you know he still has a piece of it which is great and it's um it's going to be a big one for all of us it's going to yeah, be it was the right thing for the business it was the right thing for the business which is what we had to do so what what uh what are you observing out there in the brand and marketing and sales world what are some of the things that are top of mind that are hot to you less um, specific to liquid iv yeah um well i think What's very interesting is maybe two years ago, how hot um, just like acquisition was and yes. dumping money into that yes. and how people sort of thought I was crazy by trying to build an omni-channel business, which I was. It was the hardest thing you could ever imagine with pricing and Amazon and, and then trying to keep pricing right. Um, and now what's nice is like people, like they're willing to shop in all these different channels, you know? And so um, seeing that is really interesting. Um, yeah. What about, what about, you know, your last round, which I was involved in, you also brought in a lot of famous people. Yeah. What was your thinking there? How are you thinking about celebrity influencers, tastemakers? What's your point of view on that? 
That That's a really interesting one. So, you know, we do a lot of influencer marketing. Like for us, when you have a product that you put in your body, we can run Facebook ads and it's really hard for us to tell somebody how good our product is because everyone can do that sure. with their own product. For us, even as influencer gets more expensive and oversaturated, it's still valuable for people to hear about it from someone else about how they use and like Word the product. Word of mouth sells. Word of mouth sells. Um, the issue is that it, it's it, it's still just by nature has become very, pretty transactional. Yep. And so we had really cool people who I had some direct relationships with or just through the grapevine like me and you who reached out and like they wanted to be involved in a bigger way. The business is taking off. We don't need capital. I'm like, how do I how do I get these people with some skin in the game to like in, in all, in all walks of life to be a part of this. And so like Steve Aoki was one of them and you were one of them and Scooter Braun was one of them. And so I had like five or six people and I was like, you know, what if we did a round where it meant something to them to get involved? There was a big enough upside pretty quick. Um, and it allowed us to like, you know, they got to be involved in the business and then we could like figure out ways to work together, not in like this transactional way, like something that was more valuable to more like- More backbone. Yeah, totally, skin in the game, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened was it was like, we were a week away from closing, there was seven or eight of us in, and uh, I actually, I, I, I said, Scooter, like, you know, I thought, thought we were gonna get more people involved in this. Like he was a big part of it because he has a lot of the those relationships. And like, I, I gave him a call and about 30 minutes later he goes, how much money have you raised? And I told him and he goes, all right, give me 30 minutes. And he had like the who's who lined up to come in. And I think what I learned was, you know, they, you know, they want to get involved in something that's going to make them money. But I think they resonated with our mission and they wanted to be involved in something that was cool. And for us, it was just a brand thing. Like they, we were able to get people involved and uh, I think it just elevated the level of the brand. Um, and yeah, it was, a, it was a cool opportunity. What about new platforms? for marketing, like have, where's your thought process on, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on some of these, you know, po podcast pre-roll, um, integrating the brand into YouTube vlogs. Where are you on some of these more progressive potential plays? You turned me on to TikTok and now I've, I've become like minorly obsessed. I, <laughs> I, I just can't, I, I'm so obsessed with like how people think and why it's so hot right now. Like, and it, and it's so early on and so young, right? So young, so young, but it, it that's how I, all of these things started. Right. And so it's so intriguing. But we to want liquid IV in every one of those Visco girl water bottles. I, every single one. I'm serious. Think, but think about like how, what I was thinking was like, how can you, so like you have to know your value prop. Like Correct. I'm not going to be one of these kids doing the dances and the no, trend things, not. right? But like, what if we were that's liquid IV? What if we walk in, and I know this is one of your partners, but like you walk in with the Gatorade and then that beat drops and instead of the Gatorade jug, it's a liquid IV jug. No, really. And I it's mean, like, the, you know, like the pretty girl song or whatever that thing yes. that comes on. We could do some fun stuff that could like you quickly sure go viral, right? You sure can. So we've quickly become obsessed with TikTok. I mean, one thing that I've, like, I mean, we have four video people here, right? Like I, for five years was just like head down in the grind. I had to execute. If we didn't have anything, I had, nothing, I had no platform to talk on anyway. And now just in the last three months, really, since we started talking, yep. these guys are on here full time, Glenn Fault, and we're putting nothing out yet, but it's January, we're really gonna start pushing, we're documenting everything. And for me, it's like, we didn't really have a story to share, but from now I'm like, it's time to like, to sure. share. I'm, I'm, I, nothing makes me, I'm, I've created this to help people, and now with people calling, and we're doing a thing where we let people call in, and all these CPG kids wanna know how we did it. 15 minute calls, we're doing, we're sort of videoing the whole thing, and it's just like, 
I get so, it's like me and my element, like no script. I try, we did a Vayner shoot for Facebook ads with a script. I cannot fucking do a script. Like, Nor can do I. not put me on a script. Nor can I. I did a pilot once for CNN when Jeff Zucker first went up over there and they wanted me to read from the teleprompter and like about eight minutes in, I just stopped. Stop it. Like they're like in my ear, they're like, read what we wrote. I'm like, just, I I'm can't. like, basically in my mind, I'm like, they're gonna have to run on here and like tackle me, like office linebacker style. Cause I'm just, it was like a live audience. And, and if you watch it, like the first eight minutes is just like very, very okay to not okay. And like the next 20 minutes is fire. Cause that's my comfort You're zone. You're rolling, right? It's my comfort zone. I know. I was in Armenia five minutes ago. Jeez. I just landed last night and I spoke there yesterday and like there's just like all these people in the audience, international crowd, and like sort of people backstage and they're like, you gotta go on in a minute. Cause it was like, it was very, it was not the most organized thing. And then the guy looks at me, he goes like, what are you gonna talk about? I'm like, I'll figure it out up there. Right. Cause you know, like he was just stunned by the 18 seconds earlier, I'm taking a selfie with him and somebody else. And then like, they're like, and you're on. It's like some people are just much more comfortable in improv. I, I, have you noticed that when you, even when I prep for things as we've been doing more of this video stuff, when they tell me the questions and I even have to answer them before, I'm my first draft is so much better. I, the second draft, I, I it's it's not as it's just not as good. I don't do. Dra- I rather I don't know. Even, I don't know. I don't do drafts. No, no. There's no. I don't. I don't even want to know the questions before. I never want to know. the She questions. was like, "Do you want to know when you come on? Do you yeah. want to know what you're going to talk about?" I said, "No, just put me in the meeting." I'm the same exact roll. way. Every single time I do stuff, they're I, like, but you know, I don't look at the questions. Yeah. I'm much much better yeah. with natural reaction. Same. You know. So anyway, on the on the building the platform and what's hot like. There's actually an inflection point and it involves you where we were closing this round and uh, Forbes said they wanted to do an interview. Oh yeah. And so we got on the call, it was really cool. You know, you, you said some awesome stuff about the brand. And then like before they're about to announce it, they go, you know, it just wasn't the story that we were really looking for. And I was like, you posted the video of us talking. I was like, and all respect to them and I love it and I wanna do so with them. Why am I gonna be, why do I need to go through these people to tell our story when we can do it ourselves? There's we just, don't. that's the old school way of doing it. It's great if they write an article. Look, look, I grew up, I'm older than you, even you did, less kids that are growing up right now, but Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Tech, it's, TV, it's, it's, four TV. channels. By the way, it's super cool, but it's just not required. Not required. You know, it's awesome for your mom, like, you know, it's all that, like, you know, but like, it's just not required. So she says our story's not cool enough. And now we put out a video of it and people rave about it and love it. I, it was, it snapped in my brain. I was like, okay, I have an incredible operating team now. Let's invest, which this is an investment in the company, right? I'm, I'm very aware. Yeah, like we're, we're <laughs> <laughs> you know, I get it. Yeah, so I'm, we're like, I'm like, why are we gonna go through some other, like you don't we have, have our own, we don't need to. You know, a you lot know? of people speak about, you know, you know, the president, politicians, different people using these platforms and obviously if they're anti that, they're like, this sucks and I'm, and I'm like, but use it as an offense. Like you can use the same thing. The tools are free. Totally. The tools are free. I know. The tools so, are free. So my whole thing, I, I mean, I personally think that the most influential people are like, if you wanted to be the biggest leader in the world, 15 years ago, like maybe you'd want to become the president of the United States and you probably had to do a lot of crazy stuff to get there. And now I just don't think that that's the most influential person in the world. I think it's people on social who have an influence who can have a voice and can tell their story and it's can a connect fragment, with It's people. a fragmentation, right? Yeah. Like it's crazy that we can go right now into Times Square or into a high school or into an office with 60 year olds and say, list the five people that you are most influenced by. Right. And 
those numbers, even though they were different in 1985, they had some commonalities. Now, it's left field, I, I promise you, if you ask anybody who's listening right now who has a 13-year-old in their life, daughter, granddaughter, niece, nephew, if you ask her or him, who are the five coolest people in the world, you know, you're not even gonna know who four of them are because they're on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram only. Yeah. Only. Yeah. No question. Crazy. So what, what keeps you up at night? Um, well, the, uh, the business is in a, I mean, a really, really exciting place. The business is growing like crazy. I'm like always thinking, you know, bigger and what's next. And I'm just, you know, one stick. How much do you spend on how do I quadruple this versus what could take this down? If I said you have a hundred point percentage points to say in your mind, and I, I like how you're thinking, I can already see that you're thinking, so I'm gonna talk a little longer to give you real, because I really am curious what the number is. And I think if you think you can get to a nice little close number, how much do you spend your time on how am I gonna take this to five X, half a billion versus what could happen that gets this back down to 40? What do you think the breakdown is? I, I, I tend to, I think offense is such That's a winning fine. play and a positive way 100%. to think about it. I'm probably, let's go 70%, like how do we scale? What's our next yep. item in Costco? Yep. Yep. What are we gonna do in Amazon to keep taking market share? All those things. But there's a few things, especially in a space where you're putting a product in your body, right? Where there's regulatory things that scare me. Um, you know, like competition, you know, there's sure. like some of the big guys who, we're sleeping for a while who are now they're wide awake all of a sudden <laughs> they're wide awake but the good thing is the fact that they're awake probably means some of those are probably like a buyer at some point 100 i be right and so um that's part of the dilemma is we're at this point of so much excitement like you know like i've worked do you worry and this is talk about the highest class problem of all do you sometimes think about shit some offer is gonna be coming in the next 24 months that's gonna be like the million dollar man in WWF, which is like, everybody's got a price. And do you worry like, fuck, I hope I don't sell too soon? Yeah, of yeah. course, of course. I think that- When you believe in your shit. You believe in it. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I'm going through it with the Boehner. Really? Yeah, wow. because I think people are starting to understand that the marketing skill set of 2020 is not the how do you think about it how do you think about that it has to be something that like puts me in a fucking coma yeah that that i've already had things that are way overvalued for vayner yeah and i didn't even take the meeting yeah that would have given me record ebitda numbers in the ad world right so like i the the way i think about it we're yeah. different we're in different parts of our lives yeah. for me it yeah. is all t First of all, I stand in front of the company and run write things on Slack and send out videos of like, P.S. after I'm done saying whatever I say, if I ever sell this, you should all quit. You know, like so, <laughs> A, it's gonna take something like, it's gonna take something that allows me to transact immediately on the Jets. That's right. Like it, it basically has to be one of these things where Disney or one of these media conglomerate company, because it's not gonna be an agency, wants the Vayner thing inside yeah. their company and they're gonna come with some ludicrous number and literally I'm on this like, uh, like the way I think about it is like, uh, hold on, Mickey Mouse, and then brr, Woody Johnson, are you willing to transact <laughs> right now? You know, like it, it, you, it's gonna take something that yeah. would put me in a coma. Yeah, It has to be something that I don't think anybody would ever offer. Yeah, it makes sense, I think. For me, at yeah. this point, mainly because, now if it was empathy or if I had liquid IV, Product, yeah. the difference with Vayner and a company like Liquid IV is for me, or with empathy or anything else, is I'm building Vayner to have for everything. Right. 
even think about how you know what we met, and then you started looking under the hood, and you're like, wait, there's there's a machine here that brings me value. Totally, that was leverage for me to make a deal with you. Totally. I want to have that forever. I want a communications machine that can cure cancer, that can that can make John the governor of New York, that can you know like a machine. So s- for me to give up on the machine that I've been eating crow for a decade to build to then have forever, it needs to be something that puts me in a coma. But if it was if it was empathy, I would sell it. Yeah. Did you happen to see did you see the uh, inside Bill's brain on Netflix? No. It's about Bill Gates. Really I, I didn't know nothing about him until then. Yeah, I don't know a lot about him either to be honest. Check it out. It's just like it's very much what we're talking about right okay, now. Cool. It's only three parts hour okay. long, but I'll watch it. Basically I like documentaries like that. It's interesting because like for me I think of Liquid IV as a phase on my greater mission to like help the world on the largest scale. I feel feel like how do you selfishly win and selflessly win, right? At the same time. Yeah, it, I they go together. That. I, the, what I mean, makes that's me, what I think that I mean I, that is the course I'm currently living. What makes you happy? For me, it it's like to be selfish, right? Like I love helping other people because it makes me so happy I personally. It. It's like I almost a selfish thing, right? But you also have chemicals inside of you that want to build a company and make money and totally. win that game. Otherwise, you would have a nonprofit. Totally. I, and I don't think. And I think no, that's where totally. people are really interesting to me. I'm like, why can't you be both? No, that's what I'm trying. People to like do. Gary, you don't care about people. You just want to sell wine. I'm like, really? I'm like, because if I wanted to sell wine, I would build funnels and do DTC. No, you're... I wouldn't fucking. You think I'd be doing this fucking podcast with Brandon? Like, like I'm not fucking. I really don't. Like, I'll take it. I like being competitive. It's the world I grew up in. Yeah. It's fun. When I was 15, I dreamt of having a winery. Right. But like, like, why can't you have both? Totally, totally. For me, it's about. Um, I think there's a point in time with a product like this where the there's amount a moment. you can scale. There's a moment. There's this. Lev- there's this moment in time where you have. The leverage. Look, Coke, not or, only, Coke or Pepsi is going to make you uncomfortable. Like that's what I believe. They're honest. Or or the Dr Pepper people, right? The J whatever. Unilever, Procter and Gamble. Or yeah, I mean, well. look, you, you're real quick because we didn't talk about it because I just wanted like so you put you put shit in water. You put the bottle. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I I don't think like I, like I, we didn't get to that point. We actually started in in bottles, and so um, yeah, I thought it was cool and sexy to have this bottle that you could like put on a shelf at a store. And uh, what we learned was, I say this to our team all the time, like the problem is the portal. I'm like obsessed with that right now. Our biggest thing was that we, this bottle couldn't ship online. So it was costing us $30 to ship this well. People loved it, but we were losing so much money, couldn't get refrigerator space. And so we thought, what if you could put it in a stick pack and it would be two bucks to ship a box online. And then we ended up putting out the point of sit at, right at the cash register in stores. And so what that did was one we Dude, didn't. Have I, to, I'm sorry. To, no, keep going. Finish your thought. We we didn't have to have to ask for shelf space, and we didn't have to get refrigerated trucks. And all of a sudden, our online business started. And now it's like the most cachet, cool. Literally, we had these in a bag with powder and a scoop to start. That's what was in the market, and we were shipping to like Hawaii and Arizona hot places. And our products really fresh with no preservatives, and it started to clump. And I, I thought it was the end of the business. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is, the, I don't know what ever, I'm getting yelled at. Yeah. And we're like, what if you put like solutions immediately? What if you put it in the stick in the bag? And our manufacturer's like, no, we don't have machines to do that. That doesn't work. I'm like, wait, but what if you put it in? You could make it like this, you know, really like premium experience. And so we did it. Go look in the market right now. There's five identical copycats of Real what we do. Real quick on that. Yeah. So what happened? The manufacturer said no. And what, you found a new one? Uh, or you got them to do it. We, we, we found a new one and then eventually because we found the new one, they ended up doing it because they wanted our business still. 
and the whole bottle thing. What's crazy about are, where I was going before, but yeah. I didn't want to interrupt because I don't want to get yelled at on YouTube, um, <laughs> is it's hard enough, like I don't drink water to begin with. The thought of like buying like some fucking, this package and pouring it in the water is You're like- You're an investor. I know, but I can't fucking, I, like I'd rather be happy than make money. Like, no, but like people really pour this thing in water. It's great. And I'm, that's how it works. Totally, you pour it in water. Basically when you, when you drink a bottle of water, your body can only absorb like a, a quarter of the water. So it's really important to stay hydrated. It's all wasted. You're not, you're Seriously. not, no, it's getting wasted. And so with our product, you absorb three to four times as much of the bottle. So you have to drink way less water to get the same hydration. Um, and yeah, it's just like really Are athletes efficient. using it like crazy? Tons of athletes now, yeah. Does that get you pumped as a guy who like like sports? Like, do you ever see a random like insert like like Instagram story, or does your friend like do your friends like hit you up and be like, oh my god, it's in the Dodgers dugout, or like weird shit the like craziest that? Craziest shit. Like the Clippers right now, like they inside the orange jug, they pour bags of liquid IV, and I go down there, and they're all telling me that they all hit me up on Instagram. They're all using the product. I went into the Nationals clubhouse and. We, you know, normally people ask for product for free and we're like, oh, they're a team, we'll send it. No orders from the Nationals. I go in, I'm talking to Bryce Harper. I, this is before he got traded. I was talking to Bryce Harper, Adam Eaton, Steven Strasburg, who's pitching tonight against the Dodgers in a really important game five. Went in there and they op the nutritionists opened up their cupboard. I'm talking a wall like this, boxes of liquid so IV. Cool. And they all have their routine. It's pinch me moment. I'm like, yo, I had this, I was selling one stick at a time three years ago. Now the best athletes in the world are drinking my product. It's just the craziest thing. Can you said a bunch of the Jets. We're fucking 0-4. Let's, go, let's really, get the Jets on like, this I'm shit. Like, God, fuck. Come on. I'm gonna get on that, let's actually. Let's get it on it. Uh, final thoughts. Yeah. Anything we didn't talk about that you think would bring value to the audience? Um, I mean, man, I, I was on the way over here. We were filming and I was just talking about how like, how am I... I'm really going on this podcast. My sister gave me her jab, 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 right hook book six years ago when we were starting this. And just every day would wake up and just grind and people laughed at me and people told me where this wasn't gonna work and there's no way you could create another hydration Did you love thing. when people did that? It, it, or for, did that? It didn't bother me. I, it, it was almost like- hear it at I, all? It was almost like if I wasted energy on listening to it, it was gonna be a distraction. But I mean, one of my buddies, I was gonna go to get my MBA. I was, he was my roommate when I was 24 and I came back one day and said- I'm doing this. I'm doing this instead. And he, he literally laughed. And I hear that when I wake up still yeah, every morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, he's like, a, he's like, I believed in you from the beginning. All good, like, I yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, no, thank you. Without your laugh, we might not be here right now. So for me, it's just like the relentlessness like you talk about it, but it's hard to even explain what's deep down inside your gut when you go through some of the shit you so go me, through to make wrap, it happen. Let me wrap that and up then. And I get chills thinking about how Let how me wrap that up then, because I think that matters for the audience. That's what you're looking for. When people are like, what do I do? What should I do? You gotta find something that puts you in a coma. Like you can't hear it. It's just, it's almost like it's meant to be, you're almost like a zombie. Like when I think about the businesses, the two businesses, Wine Library and VaynerMedia, in the beginning, it's almost like being a zombie. How about when you carried wine out to those guys' cars? Dude, that stuff. Like, honestly, when you just talk, like, that's my favorite. Because those are my friends. Yeah, same. And they're literally laughing at me. And uh, for everybody who doesn't know what he's talking about, there, I told this story recently, which I hadn't shared in the past, which was, I'm now 26. So it's not like I was a kid. I'm 26 and my friends come to Wine Library to buy champagne. And literally I like they buy champagne I bring them up at the register and I ca we carry boxes out to people's cars so I just carried it out and when I put it in their car there was just this kind of moment and it wasn't super rude it wasn't like it wasn't like out of a fucking 1980s fucking rom-com you know but but it was definitely like a moment where I could feel and they could and and they gave the energy of like ah man like 
like almost like sorry, like sucks, like you work in your dad's liquor store. And uh, and the business was already huge at that point. Like they didn't know what was under the hood. Right. Um, yeah, it was the fucking best. Like I just, I'm back to sports analogies. I'm fascinated by people making final judgments midway through the second quarter. This is my number one thing. People do not have a good relation with time. Like when you're building something meaningful, like, bro, you're a fucking child. You're gonna you're gonna live three more full lives. Like you have a monster business on your hand, and the actual impact you can have. Like when people, especially right now, I'm going through it. So many people in the last six months, a lot has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh. And I'm just sitting, and I'm like, you know, now I'm getting at now. It's like, ooh, you know, and yeah. I'm like, you don't fucking understand every person, 7.8 billion people. Like I'm going for the whole thing, the whole nut, you know? So I I get it. Thanks for being on the show, bro. Thanks for having me on, it was awesome. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.